Welcome into the September 30th episode of the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. The Sandine stalemate is over. He has signed a deal with the Leafs and en route to Toronto. We'll chat about that. Some interesting comments also out of Sheldon Keith in practice today regarding Mitchell Marner. Definitely get into that as well. And we got another Leafs preseason game tonight, Dave, against the Ottawa Senators. We'll tee that one up as well. All that more coming up on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs, the daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast from. You can also now, also now catch us up on uh, on the video format. Check us out on YouTube, Locked On Leafs on YouTube. Hit subscribe and get new content delivered to you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday, five shows a day for the entire season, all Leafs, all the time. Not going to want to miss out. Um, there's a lot of news to get to today, Dave. Before we get into it, though, I do want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And Dave, I was making the bet that Rasmus Sandin was going to be on this opening night roster. I thought at some point he would put his tail between his legs and come back to Toronto, sign that, you know, Timothy Lilligren-esque deal and end up back in camp and ready to go by game number one. And that's exactly what is happening. Rasmus Sandin early today um, end up signing his deal. It's two years, $1.4 million, the exact same contract that Timothy Lilligren signed earlier this offseason. The only difference is uh, the structure. Uh, it's going to be worth $1.2 million this season and $1.6 million the next. And you may ask, why does that matter? Uh, it matters to the player because now when he gets qualified next year, they'll have to qualify him at the $1.6 million uh, mark as opposed to the 1.4 annual average value. Uh, so that is what I think Sandine considers a win, and that's maybe how they're able to, um, Sandine and Kyle Dubas both, sit there and make some sort of compromise, you know, couldn't budge on the AAV. Maybe they could budge on the structure and ultimately a deal was done. Um, guessing you're pretty excited that we'd no longer have to talk about uh, Sandine contract gate anymore, though. Praise Lord Jesus that we do not have to talk about when is he going to come? When are they going to get this done? Who's going to be the first to kind of cave? It, I mean, all reports, I mean, <laughs> it's funny because the because uh, Lewis Gross said, yeah, you know, Rasmus decided after all these guys went down with injuries, it was his time to come to camp. You don't and buy that, that for one second. No, no. <laughs> Rasmus Sandin's just like, okay, there's a little bit of, a, of an opening here. He's going to take advantage. Now, he didn't take advantage. Now, didn't take advantage financially that maybe some people thought he w could have. And I didn't expect the Leafs to cave in that department either, because that would be really 
dumb considering the cap situation the Leafs are in right now. But yeah, don't I I like Lewis Gross trying to make it seem like he's a good teammate and he he wanted to do this for his teammates. What would have been good for his teammates is he was here at the start of training camp with them. Yeah, you're not wrong. You uh, absolutely are not wrong. And the sentiment and the uh, what Kyle Dubas said was essentially Louis Gross and Rasmus Sandin called Kyle Dubas early in the morning and said, you know what, let's get this thing done. And and Louis Gross, like you said, came out and said, yeah, Rasmus, you know, saw the injuries. He didn't want to take advantage, but he did think I need to get back and help my teammates. Let's get this thing done. I'm not buying that, um, to be honest with you. What I, I like, my personal opinion on what I believe happened was um, Sandin was hoping to get a phone call last night or overnight, uh, both him and, and Lewis Gross, his agent, when the injuries occurred to both Dahlstrom and to Jordy Ben. And he figured, hey, man, they got to come call it now. And they didn't call. Uh, I think then Sandin and Gross said to themselves, man, if, if they're not calling after that night those injuries that just occurred maybe they're not going to call at all i think we got to blink and budge and we just got to make the first move and try and get this thing signed and get to camp and try and win myself uh, a regular job with this group because it's not going to happen with me sitting on my ass in sweden and ultimately um that clearly is kind of what they decided because Nice little uh, two-year, $1.4 million AAV deal ends up getting signed today, and he's now joining the team and should be here uh, either tomorrow or the next day, I would assume, and hopefully get a couple of games in here before the it really counts on October 12th. Yeah, because when you, when you made your initial prediction, I'm sure you're feeling so great that it came two days after you said he was going to be at camp, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's a Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then Thursday is when it came down. Yeah. It's good there was no betting lines on that. Otherwise, uh, you, you would have been out, you would have been out a few, uh, few, few bucks there. But I, I think, yeah, like if it, if he didn't come back this week, it was going to look, it was just going to get even worse for him because there, I know training camp is pretty long. Preseason is quite lengthy, but. We're, we're getting close to the, like to regular season. And the last thing that Rasmus Sandin wants to do is put himself in this position where he is behind the ball, especially when you're trying to prove that you are capable of stepping into the lineup right away. The last thing you want is to be, you know, playing catch up and also trying to make the team at the same time. So I think someone got, someone talked some sense into Rasmus Sandin. I don't know if it was the agent I don't know if it was somebody else, somebody giving him some advice that they should have given him a little bit earlier. But now we can finally see how he plays on the ice rather than talking about him not being here. Yes, absolutely. I'm curious, though, like how much credit do you think we should be giving Kyle Dubas for this one? Because, you know, he stuck to his guns, right? That was the contract that had been reportedly that that they offered him one, right? It was either one year roughly 900000 to a million dollars or, you know, the, the same amount of AAV on a two-year deal that Lilligren got, and that's ultimately what they end up taking. But, you know, there was there was some discourse around whether or not the injuries would push Kyle Dubas into making a, a move and possibly blinking first, but he didn't budge. He stood firm at his number 
um, and ultimately ends up winning this one, I think you could say. Uh, and it's not something that he's done a lot over the course of his career when it comes to negotiating with RFAs. So I think Kyle Dubas, you know, picked up some brownie points uh, with, you know, this discussion uh, or with this negotiation. And, you know, does doesn't necessarily mean that Sandine lost any fans in this whole process. I think you can even argue that maybe it's a win-win, the fact that they're able to both kind of get what they wanted and uh, we can kind of get the show on the road now. Yeah, like I, I think for Kyle Dubas, he does not want another situation like this. But he also doesn't want to give the perception that he's going to be the one to cave in all these situations. It just was never going to happen like that. So I am glad that, you know, he got he he pretty much said, as uh, as many are reporting, Timothy Lilligren's contract is what we're offering. We're not going past it in terms of average annual value value. I'm glad that whatever contract was offered before was the same one that was signed. It's frustrating that he couldn't get him to sign that contract earlier. That's a frustration there, but he's not. Kyle Dubas is not the only one that has to deal with these RFAs trying to squeeze out as much as they can. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, Jason Robertson, 40 goal score, still out there yet to sign out in Dallas. And I'm sure people in the Dallas market are. If I'm not mistaken, I think the stars. Oh, I I think he might have come back, but Rupe Hintz almost got injured tonight, which would have been a very precarious situation over in Dallas. Yeah, so you know, I, Kyle got his work done. There's a couple others around the league that also have some work to do, some GMs, but Kyle did get it done. Sandine's here, and uh, I mean, probably means that the next door of business he would think is signing Zach Aston Reese to a contract. Uh, but we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, I'm curious though, you know what, why don't we take a quick break and we get back. Why don't we talk a little bit about what the pairings could end up shaking out to look like now that Sandine's back in the fold, Muzzin back in practice today. Uh, so we're starting to get some clarity and get a look at potentially what the D pairings could look like come game one. So I'm curious. I want to put your coach's hat on, Dave, uh, and and see what you think the pairing should look like against uh, the Montreal Canadiens on the 12th. But before we get there, let me tell you about today's show sponsor, and that's betonline.net. It's your number one source for hockey and football betting this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every single game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, head to BetOnline.net or use a mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Dave Morissuti with me. We're hosts here at Locked On Leafs, a daily Maple Leafs podcast. If it's your first time uh, listening to the show, whether it be via podcast or on YouTube, and you're watching us up there uh, looking at our mugs right now, appreciate you coming and taking a listen and giving us a shot. If you do like what you hear, uh, we would ask that you please subscribe and let us know down below where you're listening from as well. Love hearing, uh, you know, people listening all around the world, whether it's Australia, England, or some some people in Japan. I even saw in our uh, analytics that apparently watched the show. So I'm always curious to see where everyone's watching from because it's not just in Toronto. A lot of it's Toronto, 
but it's uh, it's an international podcast, my friend. So let us know down below where you're listening from. That'd be great. Um, I want to see what Dave thinks, ladies and gentlemen. The D pairings will look like come night one. And it's funny because things looked cloudy yesterday and are slightly less cloudy today, funny enough, with Muzzin looking a little healthier and Sandine signing his contract. So, Dave, if you were in charge of the lineup card, how are you deploying these D pairs? What do you think is most optimal for uh, for the first game of the season in a couple of weeks? Uh, it's a great question. I, I thought a little bit about it. Um, so I, I'm pretty much going to go with the Marner Brody pairing. Marner and Brody. You're going to put Marner. Brody. I know I told you to put your coach's cap on, but like you're going full Sheldon Keefe here already. We are going to talk about that in a second. I was, I had my brain on that too, because I have the article posted right beside me as part of my research. But so Riley Brody. Because of the Sandine returning, I'm going to go with Muzzin Hall. It's not optimal. I don't like it, but that's where injuries kind of put the situation in. Because I think it's going to be Giordano Sandine as the third pairing. I have it the exact same way. I do. So we're on the same boat. Wait, so you um, don't have Marner on the top pairing? <laughs> I uh, Yeah, I didn't have Marner on the top pairing. Not, uh, not to start the game. To end the game, maybe, if they're down, apparently, and need a little bit of offense. I mean... What did you think of those comments from Sheldon Keefe today? For those who missed it, Dave, why don't you explain exactly what Sheldon was talking about with Marner potentially playing some defense at some point this year? Um, Yeah, why why don't you take it away and explain exactly what that whole situation is? Yeah, so apparently Sheldon Keefe told the uh, reporters today, after after the experiment in the preseason game where Kyle Yonkrok and uh, Kerfoot both played on the blue line. He's like, yeah, I've also talked to Mitch about playing uh, on the right side during certain situations. Um, I was like, <laughs> of course, just just throwing this out here for all the media guys to just say, oh, an interesting story here. Yep. Um, so basically, this is all about, you know, late in the game where you need a little more offense. They're going to potentially put Mitch Marner out there on the right side to kind of quarterback things. And he actually said, I'm going to quote, this is an exact quote from Sheldon Keith. I've got a pretty good library of clips where he's actually playing defense. Even though he's a forward on the shift, he's in the defense spot and quarterbacking things. And at times even defending. So that's sort of where we came to that conclusion. Now, we have seen forward shift to defense, and we have seen defensemen move up to play forward throughout their careers. Brent Burns probably being the biggest example. Dustin started, Bufflin, another one. Yep, Dustin Bufflin. Like, Ian White, when he was here with Toronto, kind of did a little bit of uh, uh, yeah. both ways at times. Now, Bufflin and Burns are a little different than Mitch Marner. Just yeah. going to point that out there. This is why yeah. I found this to be... This is, and a lot of people are trying to say, like, this is sort of like what the Quinn Hughes situation is like in Vancouver. But I'm in terms of like, you have a, a guy who's very offensively driven, not the biggest of, you know, skaters in terms of on the blue line. But I'm like, but, but 
Quinn Hughes has been practicing to be a defenseman all his life. Mitch Marner yeah. has been doing the exact opposite. I I don't I don't hate the idea in terms of a late game situation. You want to get the four forward like we've we've seen coaches toy with the idea of all right, let's pull the goalie really early. Let's stack the lines. But we don't really see the four forwards and the defenseman in the late game situation other than the power play. So right. that's where I found it to be quite interesting. The Leafs are all about possession and you know keeping things in the offensive zone. This would likely do it in those situations. So I don't hate it. It's just now you've kind of given away that idea to teams and they're going to be looking at ways to defend that and how they're going to approach that. So I, I kind of wish that was a little bit of a surprise for an actual game scenario and that we're hearing about it beforehand. I'm sure it will be a surprise regardless. I mean, coaches aren't going to be expecting this, I don't think, because um, it's not going to be something that he's going to be able to pull out of his sleeve every game, right? Like, there's only a couple of bullets in the chamber where he'll be able to fire this one out there. At first, I thought it was the dumbest suggestion known to man. I literally was like, Marner playing defense. Are you high? Why would you waste him, one of the most skilled, gifted forwards and playmakers in the NHL, on the blue line that makes zero sense and then when i actually read the comments and i I heard keith's reasoning i kind of started to understand what he meant um and and it's just like situational hockey right and that's kind of you know keith's a pretty innovative guy i think the leafs try to be you know kind of innovative and this is this would be very you know innovative and like you said it's not the first time that it's happened but this would kind of be the first time where it's like okay, you're going to have a couple of shifts on defense, right? Like this is more of football where there's set plays that certain personnel will come in, right? Like there's set plays where the D tackle will come in as the fullback for literally just to like get that one yard push on the goal line, just because you want that big body out there. It's situational. And that's where this whole Marner situation would come through I mean, yeah, he's a player who's excelled uh, defensively over the last couple of seasons, and particularly on the PK. I'm assuming that's where a lot of his clips that uh, Sheldon Keefe was talking about probably came from him killing off some penalties, getting in front of some shooting lanes, and then bringing the puck up ice and whatnot, digging for pucks in corners perhaps, while uh, the D-men are, are, are boxing guys out in front. So – I would assume that if this did, if this were to happen, like it's it's strictly offensive zone draws, and they're like you said, down the game, down five three with like four minutes left, and instead of pulling your goalie, you just kind of shove an extra forward out there and try and get something going with just a little bit more skill, and maybe that is 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 kind of a new innovative way to get yourself uh, the upper hand on a team. Um, now if you would have to feel pretty comfortable with the blue liner you have with him. Like maybe it's a situation where you have Brody as the guy next to him, as opposed to a Morgan Riley. So that, you know, it's a defensive defenseman. So when he pinches and, you know, if it ends up costing him and it's a two on one, the other way, you know, you've got somebody who's defensively sound, who also is an elite two on one uh, plays. The two on one elites is uh, TJ Brody, but I don't hate it. Like I, I don't want to see it a lot, but when I when it happens, um, I think it you know it, it could potentially work. And I mean, what we saw happen last night, like Aaron Crow and Kerfoot 
It's not impossible for forwards to play defense for a little bit in a pinch. And if you could just add a, a little, little bit more offense to your group, like they don't have a Brent Burns or a, a 2015 Eric Carlson. They just don't have one of those guys on their group. So maybe you do, but he plays right wing and his name's Mitch Marner. And you get, you know, try and create a little bit of offense with that. So I think it's innovative and it's um, it's intriguing, but it's not something that you're going to want to see every single time they're down or every single game. Um, it, it'll be something that's going to have to be in spurts in order for it to be effective, I believe. No, definitely. And, you know, I'm sure Sheldon, uh, uh, Sheldon Keefe is, you know, he's putting this out here. But, yeah, we're not going to see it. You know, we, we could see it open night. You never know. I, I just think, yeah, when you have a specialty play like this, you can't go to it all the time. It's just yeah. not going to. Eventually, teams will catch on to it and figure out ways to, to defend it. So, um, I think it also points to the fact that the Leafs only have one healthy right shot defenseman right now. Yep. And I think it's also, like, Likely it could be Tim- Timothy Lilligren when he's back. That's where that's he could be that guy late in the game. You know, I, I think that also plays a factor in all this as well. It could. It could. It definitely could. Uh, all right. Why don't we take one more quick break when we get back? Let's tee up this Leafs Sens game we got tonight. Uh, Toronto move going up province to uh, Ottawa. Games at seven o'clock. We'll go over the roster and a couple of players that we're excited to watch tonight. So that's coming up on the other side. I'm Mike. That's Dave. If you listen to the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Welcome back into Lockdown Leafs, the daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast hosted by yours truly, Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. And we got another preseason game tonight, Dave. Number, what's this, technically four? On the year, I guess, the third one against the Ottawa Senators after last weekend's split squad game. Um, not a split squad this time. Just their one regular game. They're sending one roster, and uh, away they go. It'll be a 7 p.m. puck drop for those who are wondering. Um, just taking a look at uh, what the roster is going to be like tonight. Not a whole lot of star power. Um, they're sending up some guys who maybe they want to get just one final look. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see right now um, the roster that the Maple Leafs have tweeted out. If you're listening, you can go check out the Maple Leafs Twitter. or We'll, we'll tweet it out from uh, the Locked on Leafs Twitter page as well. But not a lot of star power, um, both offensively or defensively. I mean, when Justin Hall is considered your, uh, your breadwinner on the blue line, you don't got a whole lot there. <laughs> so uh, Ilya Samsonov might be busy all night long if uh, if that's the case. But, hey, I, I want to see what he can do when he's under pressure, right? So I think that might also be a challenge to Samsonov in this game. Who's going to be starting? Shogren will back him up, it appears. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, I think it's kind of an opportunity for uh, Sheldon Keith to get one last look at some of these guys before they start making some cuts and sending guys down. Yeah, I, I'm going to make one suggestion to um, people out there. It's Friday night. You don't necessarily need to uh, spend your Friday night watching the entire game. <laughs> I'm going to be PVRing this game and watching it later. Because yeah, game, I, the game in 10, I think, will uh, will 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 do fine realistically, too. I, yeah. I, I usually PVR just in case I have if there's something happening. Like if there's an injury, I can go back and look at it. 
And I, I mean, when you have a PVR, you might as well use it. But yeah, I'm guys. I'm going into like these are one. This could be one of those games where it's like you watch the whole game and you're just like, maybe I could have been doing something else tonight. Yeah, that was a lot of Habs fans on that Wednesday night game, the preseason game, where people were just like, you know what, wasn't exactly the best use of my time on a Wednesday night. Just no, and also. Did you hear the comments apparently on Uri uh, Slavkovsky from Kent Hughes? No, I would love to hear him. So I'm trying to see if I can find the exact comments, but um, I believe like he came out. Was it on the Randregs podcast? It may be on the Randregs podcast because um, he was on their latest episode. I believe he came out and, and wasn't didn't have like the most glowing remarks on Slavkovsky and pretty much said like yeah he's got a lot of work to do um, before he's like an NHLer. I'm I'm that's I'm not quoting him exactly, but that's basically what he said, which I thought was interesting because he did play the game against Toronto and didn't really do a whole lot. I thought um, and for a number one overall pick, eh, that's not great if uh, if you're Montreal Montreal fans. But anyways, that's just as an aside. Um, what were we talking about before we even got into the Kent Hughes? Well, thing? I was just saying, like, look at this roster. It's like, it's like the, Montreal had such a like brutal night. Oh like, yeah, we're yeah right right. You were talking about how it's like, yeah, if you got something better to do than watch this game, do that instead. I I would very much recommend that. Not that look. We watch these preseason games. We're going to break them down for you. We're going to give you our thoughts on it, but we're also not going to be like I'm not going to be sitting glued eyes, having multiple screens, and having you know, like I'm not treating this as if it's like this is these are my go to plans for Friday night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm moving this weekend, so I I'll be packing all Friday night, which is also a terrible way to spend it. So I'll probably have the game on in the background as I, as I pack, just kind of keep an eye, keep an ear out on it. I suppose bit of an eye, if something cool is happening or if I hear some inflection on the play by play, kind of take a glance over, but uh, yeah, not a, not a whole lot of star power in this game, at least from the Maple Leafs perspective. But if there are uh, pick out three players, Dave, who you are excited to get a glimpse at uh, in this game tonight, who will kind of be watching a little closer than the rest. Uh, looking here, uh, I want to see Albe Kubel. I, I, he, I thought he looked pretty good in that, you know, when I last saw him play, I wanted to see how he, he, I'm, he's likely going to be one of the top guys, I think, going into this game in terms of, uh, ice time and just opportunity. Uh, and then on the back end, William Villeneuve, you know, I want to see how, because the Leafs don't have, I mean, this will actually be one of the few games the Leafs have more than one right shot defenseman playing. Uh, but I mean, he's obviously the guy that, uh, you know, younger player, you know, trying to make he, this is going to be his first season, full season in professional hockey. I want to see how his, uh, his development is going. And then, yeah, Samsonov, full 60 minutes. I don't know what the Senators roster is going to be for this game. I didn't. I didn't look. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it come out either. Um, let me see. I, I looked earlier today, and it was not there, but perhaps it has come out since. 
Did our boys over at Locked on Sens give us any idea of what to expect? Um, it doesn't look like it. As I know, they were they were louding about the Sens power play, as if that's going to be the thing, the most lethal one in the NHL. Yeah, compared to the number one power play in Toronto, fat chance Sens. Oh yeah! By the way. If we're gonna, if I'm gonna bring up a tweet right now from our boys over, I did see this earlier, and I meant to bring this up. Uh, this was a tweet that was sent out from our. I mean, look, we're good friends with these guys. This is not. This is not beef, but I'm just saying this was put out this when the is least so disrespectful to the Bay of Quinty. Quinty Quint. I don't even know what the hell that word is. Don't think I've ever seen it in my life. Uh, any Leaf fans in the area should seriously reconsider. Uh, oh, just looking at the roster. Yeah, I mean, even they're looking at that roster saying, where the hell are all the NHLers on that roster? Um, a couple of guys who, like, I, I guess I would say that I'm kind of interested in, in watching in this game. Nicholas Robertson will be there. See what he can do. He had a pretty good showing the other night against Montreal. If he can continue to kind of put his name out there, maybe he can score another goal and – you know, add to uh, what he's done so far in the preseason. He's still trying to make this team. Um, so I think another good game would go a long way for him. Alex Steves in the very similar boat had a couple of good games vying for maybe, you know, a bottom six role at this team. And then uh, just Ilya Samsonov, another guy, the goaltender, obviously, uh, who's in a battle right now to try and become 1A alongside Matt Murray, both of them so far. Pitch and shutouts through 40 minutes of play. Sounds as though Samsonov is going to get the full 60 in this game. Um, so we'll get a, a good look at what Samsonov can do. Uh, and, you know, look good in the first game. And when you look at the blue line here, again, looks like a Mete Hall first pair. Not the most uh, star-studded lineup uh, on the blue line. There's a good chance that he could be under siege. And I'm curious to see how he will react and play uh when that does happen so face a little bit of adversity i think is also give you a good look at Samsonov. so those are a couple of guys who i think i uh i would be excited for simmons actually going to be in this game tonight it looks like so simmer with an opportunity to go up there and try and prove that he can still hack it in the nhl at uh, at his points uh, at his age pontus holmberg another guy who's kind of you know raising eyebrows a little bit uh making people do a little double take out there for the Maple Leafs. So a couple of guys who definitely have been Denny Mulgan, our guy, Gino Mulgan, also going to be playing in this game. So there's a lot of guys out there who uh, will want to put on a good performance and a good show and keep themselves in the running for a roster position here for uh, for the Maple Leafs. All right, Dave. Um, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. You can also follow the show at Locked on Leafs. The game tonight, Leafs sends in Ottawa. Puck drop at 7 o'clock. We will be back on Monday to break it down. There's also another game. Uh, who they actually play? I think they play who the Canadians again. On uh, yeah, they play the Canadians again on Monday, so we'll also chat about that uh, on uh, Monday's show. The next time that we will see y'all, maybe there'll be some more roster cuts and the roster 
the full roster, I guess the main roster, will look a little bit more clear by the time we chat again in a couple of days. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back with another episode on Monday. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.